1: everybody, and welcome to the keynote for today's Net Zero Carbon Summit. We're so glad you chose to join us, especially now as it's such an important time in this uh, ever-changing landscape of sustainability within supply chain and logistics. We don't really need to introduce this. I think most of our audience should be aware that the climate is changing, that there are plenty of incentives and reasons for actors in this space to start making changes to their operations, working upstream and downstream to figure out what is sustainability, what does it mean? And we're going to cover a lot of these topics today, from decarbonization, to data, to electrification, to broader ESG themes like social and governance. So we hope you tune in and stay around for the whole day. But right now, we're going to jump in and invite um, our keynote guests to join this conversation. Let me welcome Kim Masson, General Manager of Cloud Logistics Fulfillment Network Optimization at Microsoft, and Nico DeGoya, Director of Cloud Logistics Sustainability. Guys, I'm so excited for you to be on the stage with me because one, there's a lot of experience here in this space. You guys combined have decades of experience and not just you know strategic and collaborative innovation within traditional supply chain modes, but you're also driving sustainability to be at the heart and embedding sustainable practices in those traditional supply chain decision-making that, uh, that you guys enter every day as leaders. So thank you very much for, for joining the stage and agreeing to share your experience at Microsoft. Thanks thank for you. having us, Tyler. Why don't we kick it off with um, kind of a high level stage setting conversation for how, uh, for how Microsoft Cloud Logistics handles and embeds sustainability into its operations? And, and maybe we can tease out some practical takeaways for some of our listeners. I think that's going to be one of the most important things we can do in this on this stage. Um, but let's start by looking at what you guys are actually doing in this space. We know that Microsoft has a fantastic supply chain organization. We've been recognized in the industry by Gardner and others for for the work you guys are doing. Um, but sometimes I think the sustainability piece may get lost in the general excellence that you guys try to portray. So let's dig into maybe some high-level themes that we can focus on for, for the rest of the conversation. Um, let me kick it over to Nico and start with um, probably data. We know that the data is foundational to everything that we're doing in sustainability because we say all the time if you can't measure it, you can't manage, manage it. it,
0: exactly.
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about quality data too because that's the other piece. It's not enough just to have have some data and figure your way through and using, you know, industry average emissions factors or things we talk about a lot on this show, but we know that we've got to get better, better, higher quality data to actually make decisions on the ground and then track that over time to see how we improve it. So Can you just talk a little bit about the importance of data for sustainable logistics
0: yeah of course tyler so as you said at the top you know you can't manage what you don't measure and being able to measure alone is not enough you need to make sure that what you're measuring is actually what's occurring within your organization as a global logistics and fulfillment organization we move you know thousands of loads around the world um, you know, all the time. And so, for us, making sure that we have the highest quality data is of the utmost importance and that we're translating that high quality operating data that we have into equally high quality sustainability data that's fit for decision making purposes. And we do that using a couple of different ways. So, first, of course, all of our uh, emissions calculations follow the Global Logistics Emissions Council framework, also known as the GLEC framework or ISO 14,083, uh, which is an industry standard for the calculation of greenhouse gas. But that's just a framework, right? It gives you the guideposts to be able to calculate in accordance with the greenhouse gas accounting protocol and other, you know, kind of larger standards. But it doesn't tell you exactly what data you need to feed in there. That's up to us. That's up to us and our operations. And so we partner very closely with our logistics service providers. And our fourth-party logistics uh, provider to effectively aggregate, clean, validate all of the data at the highest level of resolution possible, all the way down to the IMO number on the vessel, the flight number, et cetera, so that we can make sure that as we're doing the emissions calculation with the combination of first-party and third-party software, that we're applying the correct emissions factors so that we can begin to differentiate between aircraft type A and aircraft type B, or trucking route A and trucking route B. So that operationalization or rather that feedback loop between operating data to sustainability data and then sustainability insights back to operations is really where that flywheel, it it generates the most value when we talk about data in the sustainable logistics space.
1: Thank you for clarifying that. And you mentioned some things there that I think are really key for listeners to understand, and that is that all data is not good data. And context matters and nuance matters in this, because as you said, you could take the same truck, driving the same route on different days and different carriers and have different emissions profiles. And if you don't have the data to be able to understand and interpret and then apply that back to the decision-making process, you're not gonna make progress as fast as you should. So thank you for calling that out. Let's bring Kim in for just a minute and talk about um, how this data gets used in the team setting. So you're managing a team of, of logistics experts here at Microsoft. How does having that data and having it close to real time, how does that influence decision making with the team? So I'm going to
2: start by saying it's not just the team, but it's also taking it up right to executive level management and getting the funds you need to do what you need to do. And so data is critical to make that happen. As Nico said, you know, carbon data is new. It's something that we definitely need to add in everything we look at. And I know traditionally, having been in logistics for a long, long time, right, it's always about cost. It's always about transit time, how fast, slow, et cetera, that you need to get something there, how you can optimize. But when you're bringing in that carbon element, it now becomes completely different in terms of how you're looking at that data. And I knew early on as a team, everything we looked at when we're looking at our network or when we're looking at you know a particular transaction we needed to make trade offs but we wanted to make sure that not only did we have the cost and the transit time but that we absolutely knew the carbon impact our emissions impact and having um, ensured that everybody is on the same page the first thing you need to start out with is really a mission statement that everybody aligns to and that mission statement is constantly um reiterated to senior level executives that this is what we're trying to achieve. And Microsoft has very aggressive goals for 2030, right? To get to, I believe, negative uh, net car- net carbon, right, Nico? So we had to have a full um, actually mission statement. So with that, Nico, what's our mission statement?
0: Yeah. So Kim w- challenged us as a team to figure out how do we actually embed sustainability as a way of working across the organization and logistics and fulfillment here in the cloud supply chain. And so just over a year ago, we articulated a new mission, which is that we strive to design and execute the world's most innovative, efficient, and sustainable logistic network of any hyperscaler organization on the planet. And that really enables us to pull everybody together. As Kim said, You have to align the entire organization behind what we call a direction of travel. Where are we going on sustainability? And we want to be, number one.
2: It's bold, but I think if you don't have that foundation, you're not gonna have clarity for the team and or your organization and supply chain. And it doesn't give you the focus that you need. And so everything we look at, we have that mission in mind. And it really challenges us to really go out on limbs and do things that we probably wouldn't have done in the past.
0: And of course, that's underpinned by the data, right? Like So it's that mission statement is our direction and the data is our foundation upon which we build all of the programs.
1: Well, let's call that our first, our first pillar that we're talking about, looking at the importance of data. Let's pivot now into how that data is used and how you can use that to optimize existing activities in the supply chain. So, and I'm, I'd love to make this practical and bring in some examples too. So let's start um, maybe with Ken, and let's look at as you know, a high level leader in the organization. You want your teams adopting these strategies you just mentioned high level and then applying them. How's that, how's that happen in practice? Well, I'll give you one recent example is that
2: we really had to take a look. We've had just this explosive growth uh, from COVID to today and we really needed to kind of take a look at our network and really optimize that network as best as we could. And one of the things we looked at doing was building a super hub here in North America. And you know, we're always looking for efficiencies. That's nothing new and I've done I've done network optimization in the past, but we when you layer in sustainability, you're now looking at not just carbon emissions But you're not looking at just transportation, but you're also looking at the building itself, right? And those are new for me, having been in logistics for a while and recently just saying, look, we've got to layer in how important this is by meeting Microsoft goals, right? And so really looking at that design and the building, I think, was critical because we're not only looking at how we can put EV vehicles in place, how we can just optimize and reduce, believe it or not, 60% of our carbon emissions across the network for North America. But now can we have a leading building from a platinum level that really will make a difference and set the standard, I think, as we go forward, not just for Microsoft, but for the industry and challenge the industry that we can do better,
1: right? That's definitely the goal is seeing some of these strategies be replicated and snowball down through the industry. And as you bring on partners, you mentioned EV charging, right? That's not a decision that happens to somebody who's building a building without a fleet, right? You're engaging with your supply chain. You're engaging with the trucking companies and the and the fleets to say, hey, if we build this, will you come? So my question around how you use that data to optimize now is when you're engaging the supply chain and you're engaging your partners, how do those conversations happen in practice? And maybe, Nikar, you can talk just a little bit about the strategy there because... Um, it's it's so important that those players are being brought along with you as you're trying to drive change in the industry, right? Yeah, I think that you know, implicit what Kim was
0: saying is that when we look at network overall for North America, and we were seeking to optimize it because of that explosive growth that she mentioned, right? We 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 were doing it the traditional way previously, which is to say we were looking at the cost and we were looking at the cycle time impact and figuring out how to reduce both of those things. And now we have this third C that we've added in there, which is carbon, which is the stand in for all greenhouse gas emissions. We obviously look broader than just the carbon emissions themselves. We look at all greenhouse gases. But when we look at it from the lens of those three Cs, we make really conscious decisions, both about the building location, but also to Kim's point about building envelope itself. And Tyler, your question was around how do we actually bring the partners along? And that's one thing that we've been really effective at being able to do, I think, in the cloud logistics organization compared to so many others, because we see it as our role and our responsibility as a shipper, as a cargo owner, that has some of the most ambitious enterprise sustainability commitments on the planet to be net negative carbon emissions by 2030. We see it really as our responsibility to help de-risk the innovations and sustainable the uh, you know, supply chain developments that are needed for us to be able to achieve those goals, and so. When we look at putting in EV charging, for example, that was a multi-prong process where we had conversations with our customers, the data centers within Microsoft to understand what the development timelines were looking like in terms of where they were building out new data centers so that we could, of course, geographically position our future hubs in the correct spot to reduce emissions. But then we also had conversations with our logistic service providers that are owning and operating the hubs on our behalf to make sure that they were aligned to our mission. And then we were having conversations with the utilities, the local governments, the OEMs on the vehicles, the carriers that our uh, LSPs are working with to provide the transportation, making sure that all of those pieces fit together so that we can come up with solutions that we can deploy on day one of the building opening, but also having a lens to what's going to happen over the multi-year relationship or multi-year, uh, you know, kind of leases that we're having on these types of hubs, so that we can deploy, for example, additional electric vehicles as ranges increase or as our customers develop additional needs nearby to our hubs. Those types of of conversations, traditionally speaking, were had. Focusing again on cost and time to delivery, not on that carbon piece, but by layering in that carbon piece, what we actually found was a tremendous degree of alignment because we're not the only ones with sustainability goals. A lot of our providers have sustainability goals that while they might not be exactly the same amount of reduction or exactly the same timeline, they're still out there. And so they're also looking for customers that are willing to come to the table and say, hey, we're in this together. How do we collaboratively build a transportation system of the future using these hub networks that we were talking about earlier?
2: I, I want to go on one point, Nico, that you mentioned, because what I'm hearing from the LSPs, and I think you've heard this as well, they want to see more companies push them to do these type of things like we're doing. Um, they say unless the customer is pushing them to do it, they don't necessarily put out the funds to go make it happen. So I definitely think that more and more companies like Microsoft definitely need to be on the forefront and pushing their LSPs to move in these directions.
1: Let's get context. And I, I have a question around that that comes into the the reality of executing on it, which is when we're adding or incorporating sustainability principles and measurement into the way we're designing networks or optimizing routes or doing any of these strategic initiatives, how long does it take an organization to get to where that's, that's part of their culture? Because it seems like it is so with Microsoft, but for newer organizations, I, I often think it could feel like a burden when you're being asked to consider this other factor or set this target or report and disclose this way, or work with us on something that's new to you. So I guess the two front question. Does it slow down the process with suppliers that aren't speaking that same language? And secondly, how long does it take to build that muscle?
2: I I, I, actually, I actually think it didn't take, I mean, it took us about a year to get the data accurate, correct? Um, but we have regular engagement with all of our LSPs, On uh, like I'm sure everyone does, right? But it became part of the forefront. Sustainability became something that I felt very important, being hired at Microsoft, seeing the goals that were there. I went out and hired Nico, right? And that was the first time that I think I, in my career, I've ever hired someone that is focusing just on sustainability, right, in, in the logistics world. So I think it, you have to be intentional, you have to be focused, and you have to make sure it's at the forefront of all the discussions you have with your LSB. But I would say it took us about a year to get where it's just a part of our vernacular, I mean, just a part of our regular discussions uh, that we do have, and again, it's part of the three C's we call three C's: car- cost, cycle time, as well as carbon. And it's just become a standard in terms of how we do business. And so I don't know if that helps. I don't know if you have anything to add, Nico.
0: Total, totally agree with with Kim with your characterization that you know basically took us a year to get the data right, but it took us less time than that to start to embed it into the conversations that we were having with our suppliers. I'd say. Within the first three months of Kim launching our organization on this direction uh, of travel that we're on now of wanting to become the most efficient, innovative, and sustainable you know, organization that we can possibly be, um, we were asking our suppliers to start conversations with us around, "Hey, what does what does the carbon impact of this decision that we're making look like from your perspective?" And I think something else, Tyler, that you know, maybe we pause here for just a second, but that we can tie back to the data side is that, um, you know, when we, when we were making the decision around how do we structure our data program around carbon, one of the intentional decisions that we made was actually not to ask for carbon data from our logistic service providers. And I think that that's something that we're seeing a lot in the market is cargo owners that are asking their logistic service providers to provide them with high-quality carbon data when these are logistics companies. These aren't climate consultancies. These aren't climate change experts, right? They're experts. Our logistics providers. are experts. Some of the best in the world at moving cargo safely, securely, on time, at cost-effective rates with no damage, from point A to point B. That is what they do well for us. And they're also really good at ensuring that the operational data that they have around those logistics moves is also high quality so that we have the visibility, which isn't new, right? The visibility to be able to track that cargo through the system. That translation, though, between that high quality operational data and sustainability data is something that we decided to internalize on ourselves so that we weren't burdening our suppliers and muddying the conversation with them, asking for them to do all of that carbon accounting and then explain it back to us. We took the responsibility to educate ourselves to develop the tools and systems within our ecosystem and a lot of this is stuff that again is uh you know available for purchase or available for licensing off the shelf that we were able to pull in so that we could get those insights and have a higher quality conversation with our carriers and with our logistics partners because if we're coming to the table saying hey we were analyzing the data on operations and on sustainability, and we're finding these opportunities for us to move the needle. What do you think? They can then focus instead on telling us what are the operational challenges or considerations that need to be taken into account if we're to deploy that type of solution versus this other solution over here. And I think that that's really important. It's just making sure that in the relationships that we have, we're all playing to each other's strengths right? And that's what we're trying to drive in the program. And so I don't think that it actually slows down the pace of conversation. I think that it enables us to accelerate the conversation because we come to the table already with a pretty clear understanding of what the carbon side is. And we're relying on our transportation partners to do what they do well, which is transportation.
1: That is so encouraging to hear. Um, and then something that I hope is probably the biggest takeaway for our listeners as part of this discussion is, um, one, you've got to have a common language with everybody, and two, you've got to play to your strengths and be able to work together collaboratively, because this is not a quarter RFP solution that we're trying to solve for here. This is a long-term solution. When we talk net zero, we're talking mid-century for the entire world. For Microsoft, it's you know, 2030 net negative, which is fantastic. The rest of us are just trying to keep up. <laughs> but but it is an important um, future-looking collaborative relationship that matters. And so I love that Microsoft's taking that approach, and I hope others will take that away from this conversation. That leads me to a great segue, though, because I always get excited talking about what I believe on Techno Optimist, that we need new solutions in this space in order to really, really reduce emissions. So let's pivot a little bit into kind of I know we can't look forward looking statements here but let's talk about the trends you guys are seeing in the market and opportunities to continue to attack that that 2030 goal for microsoft you know let's start with nico maybe what sort of key trends do you see technologies you guys are focused on in this space what's microsoft doing
0: yeah so on on the technology side i think you know what we see is there's clear need for us to develop additional capacity in the production of alternative fuels that are drop-in ready across all modes of transportation We need to extend as much as possible the time horizon that we have before we reach a tipping point on climate change from which we cannot return. And the way for us to do that is to focus on developing capacity for sustainable aviation fuels, sustainable maritime fuels, and sustainable road fuels that can be used in the assets that we use today. Simultaneously, we, of course, have to transform the types of energy that are actually powering the assets. When we look at trucking, it's, of course, electrification with hydrogen and some other areas. There's there's some other solutions as well. On the maritime side, it's a mixed stack of different solutions. And we rely on our providers to tell us as the vessel operator or the aircraft operator, what is the right solution for their business? And how does that then match back to what we at Microsoft are looking to do? But the key for us at Microsoft is what we've talked about before. It's collaboration across the value chain. And that doesn't just mean externally with our transportation partners. At Microsoft, aviation-related emissions account for over 5% of our total impact on sustainability, our total emissions footprint across our entire enterprise. And guess what? That's corporate travel. That's the travel of the consultants that support our work around the world. That's our sales teams that are flying around. That's, of course, also the cargo that we're moving as well. And so collaboration with our travel organization so that we can combine the volumes, combine the demand signal, and co-invest across the enterprise is critically important for us to be able to amplify and achieve the change that we need at scale. We also, of course, need to make sure that we're in the right direction from an environmental integrity standpoint. We are not experts. When it comes to climate change. We are not experts when it comes to environmental integrity or sustainability. So we need to partner with the NGO community, the nonprofit community, the standard setters, as well as government and regulatory actors to make sure that we are all aligned, that the decisions that we're making are the right decisions, not just for us as Microsoft, but for the planet overall.
1: Now, Kim, I'll put it to you, though, and, and ask This is a cultural shift for a lot of companies and a lot of listeners. So takeaways for the audience to continue to foster that innovative mindset when you're going out there and working with your value chain, How uh, how would you answer that one?
2: Well, I would say first and foremost at Microsoft, which was a surprise to me when I came on board, there is a whole section at the end of the year in your performance review called Growth Mindset. And where you have failed and what you have learned. And so there's definitely the culture that it's okay to fail, that you constantly learn from that. And so what I tried to do just within my own team is to make sure that we're always looking at being one of the first to do any of the new innovations because at the end of the day, I don't wanna jump a chasm, right? If we fail, that's fine. We learn from it, we move forward. But also if we do that jump and we take that step, then we're just that far ahead of making it happen. The other thing that's important as we look at taking kind of uh, risks or steps in the sustainability world, specifically around new innovation, I really like us to not just look at it from how that benefits from a Microsoft perspective, but how can we benefit the industry as a whole? What can we do to make a difference? And, And really, My team has no fear to go make that happen. Nico's a great one that has demonstrated that over this past year. Um, But I would say as long as you have the data, I'm going to tie it back to the data, because as you're building that data around any of the new innovations and you have what's called in Latin America, when I had a Latin America team, we used to call it data mata, means data kills. You have data kills, you, you have data, great data or killer data that we, what we call it now, is that you can really help set the stage in terms of the story you need to get what you need to move forward with new innovation. So we were able to go out and get funds related to SAF and that partnership with travel because of the great data that we've been able to build up to give that story that we think is gonna help us to get to that negative
1: uh, zero in 2030. That is so good. I'm going to steal that data Mata. That's a great, great quote. Um, Guys, this has been so informative, so encouraging. I hope our audience gets to take away several really practical examples and takeaways that they can implement in their own organizations because the rising tide here needs to lift everybody's boat as we try to take progress here. I'm hearing from you guys, and I'll just repeat and give you a moment for closing comments briefly. uh, get, Get your data. Make sure it's accurate. Optimize it work together across the value chain to get the right data to make operational decisions. Make sure you're factoring carbon and greenhouse gases into your network decisions that you're that you're putting together. Work with your customers and your supply chain because it takes everybody working together towards that common vision to drive change um, and create that culture of collaboration and innovation within an organization. Don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to fail. This is going to be a long journey. We're all on it together. So encourage everyone to hopefully reach out to you guys after this, if they have questions and want to drive their own organizations to that. Um, but thank you for your time and your experience. Uh, any closing thoughts for the audience here as we move forward to the rest of the summit?
0: Yeah, I think, I I think Tyler totally agree with everything you said. My closing comment that I would have is it really is about focusing on just three things, data to know where you are and where you're going, optimize, so that you reduce as much carbon out of the system as humanly possible today and then transform the system for tomorrow by deploying those innovative solutions that we talk about on the call whether those are electric vehicles hydrogen vehicles sustainable maritime fuels or aviation fuels and the, f- the final thing that i think i would also like to add is don't be afraid to have conversations. if you're the customer don't be afraid to ask your supplier for more information have a brainstorming or working session and vice versa If you're the supplier and we challenge all of our suppliers to do this if you're a supplier don't hesitate to raise your hand and say hey i have a crazy idea that we could potentially implement to transform your operations for the better we need to all help each other get to that future state that we described
2: and i would say to enable what nico just uh noted is actually to have the right foundation for your organization to make sure that you get alignment on what your mission is and make it bold. Don't be afraid. Like Nico said, we all have to get either 2030 uh, for most of us or 2040. In order to really achieve those goals, we've gotta do more and you gotta have the right foundation to move forward. So make your mission bold and set that focus and clarity for your teams as well as executive level management. You'll find it'll make a big difference as you move forward.
1: I'm really grateful for you two taking the time out to spend with me and with our audience today. And thanks for the audience for tuning in. Look forward to the rest of the summit, stick around, get active in the chat sessions and uh, we continue on this journey together. Thanks y'all.